For Peru, blueberries represent not only the youngest export crop for a country that has a long history of supplying produce to the world, but Peruvian blueberries have been outpacing all other export crops as well. I would say for the for now they've picked in in terms of plantings, uh, in terms of volume to the markets, we should expect growth for the next uh, let's say two or three years with the same planted area. But uh, I would say for now the area has come sort of a plateau. It's um, if it grows, it will not be that much. In today's episode, we'll not only have a chance to hear about production expectations for this season, but we're going to dig into issues facing Peru's future production and growth and the commitment their leadership has in driving blueberry demand in the United States and around the world. This copyrighted podcast is presented by the U.S. Highbush Blueberry Council. The opinions and views shared by those of non-paid guests on the business of blueberries are those of our guests and do not represent the views, positions, or policies of the USHBC. The blueberry industry is like no other, passionate, resilient, and innovative. This podcast is your source for the latest information on the management, markets, research, and technology related to blueberry production. This is the business of blueberries. Here's your host, president of the U.S. Highbush Blueberry Council, Casey Cronquist. Welcome back to another episode of the Business of Blueberries, the only podcast dedicated exclusively to the blueberry industry. Now, over a year ago, we did an episode of this podcast called A Preview of Peru, where we spoke to Luis Vegas of Pro Arandanos about the Peruvian blueberry industry. Today, Luis is back on the show to talk about the upcoming season and share some of the dynamic changes taking place in Peru for blueberries. Joining Luis and I on today's episode is Daniel Bustamante from ACP and also chairman of Pro Arandanos and Ryan Lockman of North Bay Produce. Thank you to all three of you for joining me today on the Business of Blueberries. Thank you, Casey, for, for the invitation. Happy to be back in, in the podcast to talk about uh, Peru this season. Well, let's just start off then with some intros. Luis, listeners might remember your episode. And of course, you are a constant voice on our weekly crop report when Peru is in season. But let's take a few moments to reintroduce yourself, including your background and what it is that you do at Pro Arandanos. I'm Luis Vegas. I am the general manager of Pro Arandanos. This is my second year as general manager. I don't have an agricultural background. This has been my first experience, and I'm super happy and glad to, to be part of it. What we do in Prorandanos, in Prorandanos, we focus on four main areas, right? One area is all about opening new markets for Peruvian blueberries and improving the access, access to existing markets, all the logistics. A second area that we work on is promotion, promoting blueberries and increasing consumption worldwide. That's a, one of our focuses. Third area that we work on is all about the data, consolidating a, the industry information, forecasting, so that we have a, like a really strong data backend, you would say. And a, a third area that we work on is on technical aspects, right? Like giving our associates all the, the technical information that they might need so that they could carry on their operations in the most efficient and best way possible. So basically, in, in a really macro view, that's what we do in Pro Arandanos. 
And nowadays we have 32 companies that are associates of Proarandanos. And these companies represent around 80% of all the Peruvian production. Well, it's been great to get to know you through all of the last two years. It certainly has been quite the experience, a bit of a wild ride, quite frankly, with the pandemic and all things considered. But great to have you on the podcast again today. So let me let me turn over to Daniel. Daniel, how about you? Please just jump in here, introduce yourself, you know, ACP and a little bit about your role there as chair for Pro Randonos. Great. Uh, thanks a lot, Casey. And uh, first of all, thanks to all of you for organizing this. Hello, Ryan. Long time no see you. Um, let me start. I'm uh, I'm playing. I'm wearing two hats here. First, I'm I'm the chief commercial officer for Agricola Cerro Prieto ACP, which is a, a grower, packer, and exporter of uh, different produce items. Being the most the two most important ones, avocados and blueberries. I've had some past experience in the avocado organizations, both locally and uh, internationally. Now, recently, I, I took the um, in the Peruvian Blueberry Growers Association. So those are the two hats I'm, uh, I'm wearing um, uh, for this podcast, Casey. Well, it's great to have you on the show. And certainly, uh, I want to spend some time, we'll get into it here, you know, after our introductions, but just the leadership role you've played in the industry since not just taking on the role of chair, but you've certainly been serving on the United Blueberry Task Force. And so I'd like to uh, talk a little bit more about that. But last but not least, Mr. Ryan Lockman of North Bay Produce. So I, I really appreciate you jumping in here to participate in today's episode, talking about you know the role that a company like yours has in this business in relationship to Peru. And so why don't you just give us a bit of an introduction of yourself, Ryan, and, and your background in the business? Yeah, so, I, so my name is Ryan Lockman. I, uh, I'm the Vice President of Sales and Procurement for North Bay Produce, based in Traverse City, Michigan. I've been with North Bay for about 15 years now. I'm working on 16 here coming up in the next month or so. My responsibilities at North Bay are basically keeping all of our procurement in line as well as our sales in line, mostly on a, on a berry standpoint. But I also uh, work on you know apples and uh, veg as well, which only represents about 10 to 15% of our business. No, I've been able to watch the proving industry uh, evolve on blueberries over the past few years. I mean, over the last 10 years, it's you know, kind of mirrored my career. So, I, you know, I've seen it from, a, you know, first from an asparagus standpoint and now from a uh, from a blueberry standpoint. And obviously it's uh, fun and interesting at the same time to see how the volume is it's coming, how the volume is integrating into our markets. And I look forward to you know having a conversation with my friend Daniel and uh, and Luis as well here, and you know talking about the future and where we're at currently. Awesome. Well, it's great to see you all, and thank you for all jumping on the show today. I, I just I think for the purpose of the show, I think it'd be good just to kind of start off with Luis and Daniel. You know, last year we talked about certainly the impressive growth we see in Peru, but maybe you could talk. You know, just from where we left off in our last episode last year on what's been changing in Peru. Uh, since we last spoke in July or since the last uh, season in July. So, Daniel, maybe if you want to jump in from your perspective, just kind of give us kind of a, a, a big picture perspective on what's changing in Peru for blueberries. Great. Thanks, uh, Casey. Yes, uh, you've just mentioned the growth through the Peruvian industry has experienced. It's very impressive. You know? we've, we've grown uh, 12 times in five years, 12 times more volume since year 2015 uh, and 16. 
so um, this growth has uh, started basically with the um, with the traditional varieties, and then it's changing towards the the new genetics. The proportion of new genetics, new varieties being planted, that make better arrivals with a product that is more suitable for whatever the market is demanding. So that's what the trials have been for. Right now, we have 46 new varieties on the ground. Some of them are planted on a commercial scale. Some others still on trial period. So I would say that's, a, as a profile, that's one of the, other than the growth, which is a given, as you've all seen the numbers, and this uh, consciousness or shift to its new varieties and uh, new trials of these varieties is one of the most important aspects uh, uh, of the industry. And another one I would really like to highlight is blueberries are uh, are the youngest of all the produce items through exports and the ones that have grown the fastest. So um, we got into this industry of already a high level of proficiency that has highly benefited the blueberry industry. Or in order, I mean, of good practices, great concern in ESG policies. Companies are um, following different certifications, both a part of certifications, really actions uh, on their own, and then environmental issues, social issues, and uh, basically governance and transparency towards the market. How to show a high level of proficiency in the in the industry. Those are the two factors that uh, I think are uh, somehow show driving the general picture of the Peruvian industry. In this year, in 2021, we've seen a slight reduction in the growth rates of new plantings. And that's mainly due to politics. Um, the level of um, certainty or assurance of certain aspects of the business are now getting all the investors, both nationals and foreigners, much more cautious. So they've slowed their growth plans here in Peru. And I'm talking about plantings. I'm not talking about the output because, uh, as you well know, the growth we are seeing this year and that we will see the following year is product of uh, two or three years uh, past uh, investments. First uh, half of the year, we got some, uh, we went through the electoral uh, process, and the winner is uh, sending some some messages that might be sort of uh, disruptors to the industry. Nothing has happened so far, and the industry keeps on uh, working as it did. But there is that uh, those messages that uh, are making uh, making us more aware of the political situation and the challenges that we might face in the near future. And I'm talking about his uh, standpoint on uh, on exports, on agriculture, on open economy, on currency trade restrictions. None of those have happened yet. But uh, they are uh, more possible now than they were like six months before. So all the um, all the entrepreneurial sector, more so the agricultural one, is uh, very aware of 
their next steps, uh, how do we face whatever uh, changes might uh, might happen with this, whether if he's going to be able to do all that he's claimed he might do. Well, and and I guess, you know, are you saying has the plantings peaked? You know, this period of time that we're talking about, what's the vision for when plantings would investment would come back under these circumstances if if ever i would say for the for now they've picked in in terms of plantings uh, in terms of volume to the markets we should expect growth for the next uh, let's say two or three years with the same planted area but uh, i would say for now the area has come in sort of a plateau it's um, if it grows, it will not be that much. All right. Well, I've got more that I want to get to uh, with all of you. But before we do, let's take a quick break for our crop report. We're approaching the end of the season for many growers here in North America, but there's still news to share in places like Peru. So here, once again, is your blueberry crop report. It's time for your blueberry crop report, an update on crop conditions and markets from important blueberry growing areas. Today, you'll hear from Luis Vegas in Peru and Jason Smith in British Columbia. This was recorded on September 15th, 2021. This is Luis with the Peru crop report up until the end of week 36, which is the week from uh, September 12th. So up until week 36 of the season, Peru has shipped a total of 113.3 million pounds of fresh blueberries worldwide. What happened during week 36? A total of 20.5 million pounds were shipped during this past week, which accounts for 18% of the overall volume shipped during uh, this season. From these 20.5 million pounds, 60% uh, was shipped to the U.S., uh, which is expected to arrive the U.S. of October. 27% was shipped to Europe, 11% to China, and 3% to other destinations, including Canada, Costa Rica, United Arab Emirates, Hong Kong, Panama, Singapore, and Thailand. Regarding our latest forecast for the coming season, we are expecting a growth in 36 percent in the volume shipped worldwide, a growth in 36 percent in our shipments to the U.S., 16 percent in our shipments to Europe, and 125 percent growth in our shipments to China. So this is Peru's crop report. Thank you. This is Jason Smith reporting for British Columbia. Um, We've experienced some Rain over the last couple of days, uh, a lot of the fruit has been harvested. Quality has been good to date. I think a lot of uh, the late season varieties like Elliot are winding down and we're supposed to get a bunch of rain here coming up uh, starting Friday and, another, and a little bit on Saturday. But uh, I think that will maybe stop the season for a lot of growers. There may still be a bit of cleanup pick uh, for process. Uh, Aurora is being harvested second pick right now. And depending on mother nature, there may be a light third pick, but other than that, I think most varieties are, are wrapped up and that's my report for this week.
Well, thank you so much to our busy growers who take the time to participate in these reports. As a reminder, you can go to the new USHBC website where you'll find our data and insight center to see more data of what's happening in the blueberry industry. We've made a snapshot view of USDA data on production and price and online resource for everyone to access easily and quickly. So make sure you go to ushbc.org forward slash data to check that out. Okay. Uh, I'm going to come back to, you know, I think we talked about data at the top of the show. And and one of those organizations that we take a page out of in terms of doing this well uh, is the avocado industry. Daniel, you mentioned that you come out of that industry and experience. And maybe you could speak to that from your perspective on, you know, what is it that you see that the avocado industry has done really well with the resources they have that the blueberries industry could learn from? Yes, uh, thanks, Casey. First of all, let me do a, a very quick comparison. Yeah? The similarities uh, between avocados and, and blueberries are in the terms that uh, they're both great products with a lot of health attributes, and uh, that gives you a lot of uh, marketable tools. But the avocados have been investing a lot of money, the avocado industry, for the past 20 or 30 years. So they've created a very strong base. The promotional efforts uh, in other parts of the world have, uh, have somehow tried to replicate the success with much less money, the success uh, of the promotions in the US market for avocados. Blueberries are, um, are almost one third of the assessment per ton. That makes it a bit more difficult for sure. But uh, we have seen in the avocados, there are some possibilities of telling this fantastic story behind the product, behind the attributes, with uh, both um, the retailers, the food services, having a lot of media. Why not, when budget is a restriction, uh, which at some point it always is, partnering with some other products, complementary products, can be from the produce uh, aisle or not. It, it's stretching out the dollar and making much uh, much more noise towards the market. Partnerships are a great way to really stretch out your promotional dollar. I do have to say that in the past two or three years, I have seen much more activity in the blueberries, in promotional blueberries, uh, being present in the consumers' minds, uh, so and that's uh, I'm pretty sure that's uh, that's your job, Casey, because uh, we see much more activity, and I think that's the way to go. Followed now by by this the initiative of the voluntary assessments of NABC. Uh, I think that that would be that would make a very strong point in order to be much more present in consumers' minds, but also in the retailers and, and food service sector, that uh, we need those to be our our channels of communication towards the end consumer. I would say that, you know, the vision you're casting is summarized in, we need more to get more. In the blueberry business, you can kind of see that runway of opportunity. Food service is a good example where we haven't really impacted that channel like other categories have in the way that we can see the opportunity for blueberries. And I guess, you know, part of the success, and I'll bring Ryan in here on this in ways that he could kind of align their experience at North Bay with, you know, I know the commitment that we're talking about on the NABC side for increasing additional 
dollars to help drive some of these initiatives. But you know, certainly, Ryan, a large portion of what growth we've seen in the industry has been being able to provide your customers, retailers, and consumers with year-round production, right? So w- once you get into this space of, you know, obviously historically chilly, Peru is obviously taking a good run at, you know, providing that kind of counter-seasonal supply. A large portion of that success has been driven by getting consumers excited about eating blueberries 365 days a year. So maybe you can just kind of describe what what does that look like on the North Bay side and how do those conversations go for you relative to, you know, where that supply comes from, et cetera? Yeah, there's actually a couple of good points on that. The first one is is one of our biggest challenges as marketers to the marketplace, and that's to retailers and and to consumers, is that the blueberry industry and or the avocado industry, for that matter, not the only industries that are sitting here in the same same issue. Every produce category in the section is also sitting here today trying to figure out how to boost sales, how to you know create more value, how to create better experience. So every day that a, um, a consumer goes into the market or into the retailer, they have a decision to make on how they want to spend their money. You know, grapes are a good example. You know, apples are a good example. You know, literally every category out there is trying to create better experiences for the consumers. And it can be overwhelming for the consumers sometimes as to what to pick and what to spend their money on. Going back to your point, Casey, one way we can combat that is through 52-week momentum. You know, in the past, we've had in and outs where, you know, the transitional times of the markets, you know, September and April, March time period have been very high priced where we've priced a lot of customers out of the market, as well as very low in volume, you know, offering 0.4 ounce, 6 ounce, kind of valued. But by offering volume with momentum, you know, seasonally going from domestic crop right into import crop with volume. I think it's going to create more habitual customers that are going to buy blueberries on a more consistent basis. And you could even talk about, you know, the different effects that COVID has had on purchasing as well, maybe going from the fresh side of the aisle to the frozen side of the aisle, just for, you know, one preparedness and also for value. One of the biggest things that we as marketers are challenged with is we can offer a good price on blueberries. But it doesn't mean that the retailer is going to take the promotion because they may have gotten a better price like grapes or something else, and they decide to go with that. So there's many different options in the produce aisle these days, and we have to continue to be relevant. And to be relevant, we have to be there 52 weeks a year with supply, price, and product. Yeah. Well, and and I've you know certainly had a chance over the last couple of years to get to know you, Ryan, and and where North Bay has seen. The opportunities that we're not getting to and we're getting to now. And I think, you know, certainly North Bay's commitment to the MOU is another example of how do you drive that year round supply? And as, you know, more and more production comes in and, and is planted domestically and internationally, you know, we have a job to do here. And so I just see, you know, the work that we're talking about in order to not just provide that year round access, but then I think what Daniel said is we're blessed with the balance of the nutritional health research work, the things that give us these, you know, really important talking points with consumers and and getting that validated by those that will verify, you know, these claims that we're making inside of blueberries for consumers to be aware of. So, you know, we've got, I think what you said, Daniel, is the right mix and putting more gas on this is something that, you know, we're certainly committed to. And I think we're all saying here is a much needed opportunity ahead. Casey, if I may, just to add on that idea of, of the marketing, 
I totally agree that having this 52 week supply, if you want uh, households to have the, the blueberries on their shopping list, you know, and as Ryan was uh, mentioning, like every day you see more competition, right? From other fresh products, from other products on our aisles in the store. So we, we need to give our consumers more reasons to buy blueberries, right? On one hand, we have all the nutritional aspects that that's a super advantage of blueberries because of their nature, how, how healthy they are. But on the other hand, it's also important for the growers, right? And all the supply chain, right? To, to really work considering different aspects, right? In all of the supply chain, for example, environmental responsibility, social impact. You today have more informed consumers that want to know where does my product comes from? How is my product cultivated, right? How is my product shipped all the way to the market where I buy my fruit? And that not only happens in the US, that happens all over the world, right? In Europe, in Asia. So it's really important for blueberry growers to take into account all these different aspects. From our Peruvian standpoint, right? We are really committing efforts in what Daniel mentioned earlier, environmental, social impact, right? Like that's super important and it gives even more and it's tied into increasing consumption as well. So, so you have the research that's super important, right? All the health benefits, you need the supply, but you also need all these other aspects that are super important more and more every day for the consumers, right? So I think we need to close all the circle on that. Well, and I know you can see that in the USHBC's new strategic plan where, you know, kind of that environmental scan of what's out there in our industry that is, in this case, supplying the U.S. market being done. And so I appreciate, you know, you pointing that out. It's certainly something that, we you know, is on our next five-year plan and something that, you know, we hope to have a point of view on as an industry in order to kind of, like you said, close the loop and make sure we can answer the question and tell the story of how blueberries come to market. So we're going to take a quick break here for our marketing boost. We'll be right back to this conversation in a moment. But for now, here's USHBC NABC Vice President of Marketing and Communication, Jennifer Sparks. Thanks, Casey. Food service is a critical audience for USHBC. Yes, it's about getting blueberries on restaurant menus in order to drive volume, but it's also a key way to promote blueberries to the consumers through the restaurants they frequent. As one of our promotions committee members said in a recent planning meeting, getting blueberries on the menu doesn't just sell more blueberries in food service. It also provides consumers with innovative ideas on using blueberries in ways they never thought of. USHBC works hard through a variety of different audiences, strategies, programs, and tactics to get blueberries on the radar and drive action. So whether it's direct to the consumer, health professionals, food service, or retailers, we have to custom design our programs and messages to resonate with each audience and meet them where they are. For the last three months, our staff, agencies, and promotions committee have been looking closely at our 2021 programs and results to date, as well as diving into new areas that will help to drive our target audiences to take notice of the many benefits of blueberries and to grab a boost of blue throughout 2022. The promotions program is leading the way on adopting USHBC's new mission and vision set forth in our new five-year strategic plan. There are exciting plans ahead for the blueberry industry. You can hear all about the 2022 promotions plan at the promotions committee meeting happening during Innovate 2021, our tech symposium and fall meetings. Just go to ushbc.blueberry.org events to learn more. 
This has been your Marketing Boost. Thank you for your partnership. As together, we inspire the world to grab a boost of blue. Casey, back to you. All right. Thanks, Jenny. Now let's get back to our episode today with Daniel, Luis, and Ryan. It's been really great to get to talk to all three of you in this episode. It's still going to be important for people to follow along each week with you, uh, Luis, in what it is that Peru is going to do this season in terms of production. If you were to forecast you know, the 2022 to 2023 season for Peru, any sense of, of how that levels up from this year's 30% for the following year? How does that work? What I can say is what we have been seeing over the last seasons is that talking about our window, right? About the seasonality of a Peruvian production, right? So if you check on, on the figures, 90% of the Peruvian volume is shipped during August and December, right? That's where all our volume is shipped. And actually, a bit more than 50% of the volume is shipped during September and October. And moving forward next season and the, se the season following that, we see this window, right? We, we see the same window, the same shipping proportions, right? For this season, we are expecting a 30% growth that's worldwide. We're expecting around half of that volume to go into the U.S. And we're expecting a bit more than 30% to go to Europe. And we're, we're expecting around 15% to go to China. And actually China, we're expecting to double, more than double the volume shipped to China this season. So that's the market that is expected to grow the most this season. And for the following season, 2022, we, I think it's too early to put on a, a number. We definitely expect a growth, right? Not because of we're expecting a significant growth in the plantings, but basically because the plants get more mature, they have a better yield. Right, but we definitely see a, a slow in the in the growth for next year. And as Daniel mentioned, uh, we expect for the next two coming seasons to keep growing. You know, slowing down every year. And yeah, that that's what I could say until this point, right? Um, Casey, just to complement what Luis Miguel just said, when I've been talking about the new varieties and the role genetics play in this business, what we are seeing in China. For this year, which is doubling the exports of the previous year to China, it is a product of two things. One, genetics. We are identifying the varieties that are more suitable for uh, the Chinese market and that make good arrivals. Also, in order to make these good arrivals, all the new post-harvest techniques are improving our arrivals into those uh, faraway markets. So I would dare to say that is a, a trend that it's, there's no return. We are very keen, very focused on, on the Chinese uh, market, other Asian markets, and uh, more so to diversify from uh, a high concentration, roughly 50% we have to the U.S., so that's part of the plan and the genetics and post-harvest techniques are definitely helping to that plan and that should continue as we evolve year after year. Well, it's a market to watch because as these opportunities present themselves, it's just an important understanding of how the fruit moves around in order to expand consumption in other regions that you know haven't been consuming them. Uh, before we go, Ryan, I, I want to kind of flip it back over to you as you hear, you know, some of the forecasting that's going on out of Peru and its relationship to how, you know, a company like North Bay 
supplies the market. What's encouraging about what you're hearing? And you know, how do you see that future forward for you know, Peru on balance with all the things that you have to deal with as a marketer? We represent uh, growers from, you know, all ends of the spectrum. So from southern Chile all the way through northern Michigan, you know, British Columbia, you know, Argentina, but as well as Mexico. With handling all of those locations, you know, the addition of Mexico and Peru has actually, in my opinion, helped the overall consumption of blueberries and has you know, made our jobs easier. You know, and I think with time will benefit the extreme northern regions and the extreme southern regions just because we have more consistent, you know, high quality supply from Mexico and Peru. You know, we're already seeing some of the highest pricing we've seen in, in July. And we're seeing some of the highest pricing we've ever seen in January and February over the past couple of years. And that goes back to my opinion about the, you know, the momentum of going from one season to the next and from one hemisphere to the next. You know, to, to see some of the things that are happening in Mexico and Peru firsthand is pretty exciting to me as a, you know, from a consumption standpoint and obviously as a consumer as well. Well, I really appreciate, you know, all of what each of you were able to provide in terms of a reference point this year as we watch the Peru season again, you know, it, it has not been lost on anyone just how quickly and how impressive the growth from Peru has been, not just in our market, but obviously we're talking about around the world and certainly understood the challenges that, you know, we face in a marketplace that really does love blueberries and, you know, the ability to try to supply and meet that demand. I appreciate your point there, Ryan, just kind of understanding how we are experiencing a sharp level of demand and we're going to continue to drive that forward. And I think with, you know, this leadership discussion here, which I think is representative of a lot of leaders who are around the table right now in order to perpetuate the opportunity that is ahead. You know, I think this, this has been a great conversation. I really appreciate each of you taking the time to kind of talk about this season, but not just this season, you know, kind of the future outlook for Peru as part of driving consumption and demand worldwide. So thank you all very much. Is there anything else we haven't addressed that any of you would like to make sure our audience understands about Peru and the business there? I wanted to add something which has been touched by Ryan, which is very important to the consumption growth. It's consistent supply throughout the year. And that could be whether if it's for the US market, the Chinese market, Europe, wherever. Consistent supply, good quality throughout the year. That can only help the growth of uh, blueberry consumptions every week of the year, whatever the origin is. If it is consistent and it's always on the shelf. Well, it was really great to sit down with these three guys, Luis, Daniel and Ryan on, on this podcast to talk about Peru which you know obviously has emerged as a major player in the global blueberry industry. And, and some of my key takeaways from today's episode is what you heard Daniel and Luis talk about, which is you know there certainly is a plateauing of the production there for reasons that you might not otherwise be aware of. And so I just think it was interesting to hear them explain the circumstances there in Peru that are really affecting decisions on investment there on the ground for blueberries. And that that's going to have consequence. And so what those are going to be exactly, you can kind of hear Luis say, we'll see, but effectively important to note that the plantings have plateaued for now, and that's going to eventually impact the production we see coming in 
to the US and around the world for Peru. I would say that's the other part of the piece that you heard on today's episode from Ryan in particular was just that Peru has a place to play for what marketers are looking to accomplish with the retailers who are trying to drive the consumption every day at retail for consumers. So obviously in a balance, Ryan talked about that balance of responsibility that those marketers have, but just how important it is to have access to production that can provide a consuming audience with 365 day access of blueberries. And so again, it's going to be important that we work closely with leaders like Luis and Daniel in the future ahead. You can hear from Daniel the commitment that he has in helping us do this better than we've been doing it in blueberries in order to make sure that we achieve all those things that I think he feels and we see in the opportunities ahead for blueberries. So a great podcast. I hope it was beneficial for all of you, all of our audience listening today, just kind of getting some perspective on not just a preview of this season, but where Peru finds itself in the future ahead. So that's it for episode 66. Thank you so much for listening. We'll be back next week with more innovation, collaboration, family, and hard work right here on the Business of Blueberries. Blueberries.